Well, good morning and welcome to Water and Stone. My name is uh, Dita Randolph and I am really, really happy that you have come back to this uh, series based on the idea of affirmative, the adventure of yes. One of the things that we've been talking about is basically life is what you say yes to. Life is what you're alive to. Life is what you agree with. And so in this series, we're trying to figure out how to agree with God because we can agree with each other that God thinks you're good, right? Basic idea here. So if you can agree with that, things can start to change in your life. The trick is, how do I take that big idea of agreeing with God that we talked about last week and bring it to bear in my own life? That's what we're here to talk about today. And to do so, we're going to be looking at chapter 4 in a book called Christian Healing by Charles Fillmore. Now, as I've said before and will undoubtedly say again, your copy of Christian Healing probably looks different than this. It's a very old book, and so it's been published many, many times. There's lots of different editions, lots of different covers. But um, the contents of this one, Christian Healing, tend to be pretty much the same. It's not like Lessons in Truth, the book we saw last week, where there have been a lot of changes and even chapters moved around and all kinds of goofy stuff. This is pretty consistent. The page numbers might vary, but that's about it. So whatever copy of Christian Healing you have, it's going to be great. And even if you don't have a copy, I think you ought to pick one up. But if you don't have one, you're not going to miss out. It's okay. Just stick with me. You're going to get what you need to get out of our, uh, out of our time together today. With that in mind, let's begin our time together by taking our opening prayer. God is and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now, there is truth. Right here and right now, there is freedom. Right here and right now, there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. And so it is and so it does in the name and nature of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so as we begin, once again, this is the fourth chapter of Christian healing. And the chapter is called The Formative Power of Thought. And the basic idea of this chapter is kind of the basic idea of a lot of things that we talk about around here. And it goes like this. Are you ready? Inside moves outside. Inside moves outside. This is a key concept. And I think you know what I mean by that. If you're trying to change something in your life, you can move stuff around in the outer. You can change your job. You know about geographical cures, for example. You can change your hair. You can change a lot of things outside of yourself and find that it doesn't actually make any kind of a difference. You've made distinctions, but you haven't made differences. If you want change, inside moves outside. We're looking for a change of heart, and that will lead to a change in your life. You know that your life is living proof of it. Now, in this chapter, Mr. Fillmore talks about a, a Harvard experiment where they uh, they laid somebody out on a, on a teeter-totter, you know, a seesaw, depending on what part of the country you grew up in, that thing, whatever you want to call it, got him perfectly balanced. And they asked him to think about running. Don't move. Just think about running. And as he did, think about that. The blood flowed to the legs and feet, and the seesaw went that way. 
Then they got him balanced out and calmed down and all that kind of stuff again. And they gave him a math problem to solve. And as a result of that, you know what happens. Went the other way. Now, you've heard that kind of thing before. There's millions of examples. If you're the kind of person that's watching this, you're in the positive practical Christianity, you've read some self-help books, you know about this stuff, I'm sure you've got your own examples of that. Somebody was under hypnosis and they told them they were being burned, but they use an ice cube, but wealth got raised anyway. Those kinds of things. If you decide a thing, if you think a thing, it will happen for you. You know about this. There's lots of examples. Your life is an example of it. But I want to be really careful here because in the chapter, Charles Fulmore says thinking, right, over and over again. But I'm not sure that when he said thinking 100 or so years ago, 1909 this book comes out, when he says thinking, he's not saying it in the context of the, the deluge, the overflow, the avalanche of self-helpy kind of stuff that has come out in their intervening years. All of those books that say, if you just think a thing enough times, it's going to work out for you. It's almost like the meaning of the word thinking has changed. And here's what I mean. Think about this with me. Here's what I mean. You've probably read a number of those self-helpy kind of books and thought, okay, if I just think a thing, it's going to change for me. But you can think, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good all day and still feel bad. You can think, I'm going to make the three-point shot all day and still miss. And in fact, this is a little bit dangerous because if I tell you that all you got to do is think it, and yet it's not happening for you no matter how hard you try to think it, it's very likely that you can start to think there's something wrong with you. And it's so funny because so many people have left mainstream religion because of all the guilt and fear and blame and shame and all of that stuff. And yet they come to a new thought, self-helpy, positive, practical, whatever kind of a church, and they still feel the same shame and guilt because they can't make the thing happen. But what we're learning is that it's not your job to make the thing happen. Let's be as generic as we can. It's not just about thinking as a mental process. When you think about the teeter-totter seesaw experiment, when you think about the examples that you've had in your own life, it's not really just a matter of thinking. So a word I want to try out with you is the word agreement. It has less to do with I'm just repeating a thought over and over again and I have no stake in it. That ain't thinking, really, not the way Fillmore talks about it. Instead, the idea is, can you agree with the idea that this ice cube is actually a lit match? Can you agree with the idea that whatever it is that you're working on? And so all of a sudden, it becomes less of a cerebral process and more of a feeling process. And that's when change happens. It's not about the logical stuff. It's about the feeling stuff. And the more that you can get yourself from a head place into a heart place, the happier you're going to be and the more this stuff is going to work for you. But back to it. Mr. Fillmore is saying in the chapter that you have the power through your agreement to direct the fluids of your body, right? The way that things are working. And again, you know all about this, right? So basically, and this is one of the things I love about Charles Fillmore. Basically, he's, he's going to he'll give you something over and over again in this book. And in fact, in all of his books, he'll give you something. And then in one way or another, he'll say, okay, how far are you willing to go? This is the way it is. How far are you willing to go with this? If what you agree with can move some stuff around in your body, isn't it the case 
that it can keep you alive, make you healed, have your life work, everything else. How far are you willing to go? If you cut your finger, don't try this at home, your body already knows how to deal with that and you heal. And in fact, you heal pretty easily because you're okay with the healing. You agree with it on an implicit level. If it's true in your finger, it's true in you. This stuff works. And so one of the things I want to take a moment and say is, I don't want these Sunday morning chats that we have to just be a a matter of you watching a guy in a hat say a thing. (laughs) For a lot of people, that's all church is, right? I want you to know that these things work. Man, oh man, I have seen incredible healings. I have seen the crutches pile up literally as well as metaphorically. And it can happen for you. That's what's on the table right now, guys. This is serious stuff, and all of it works, and all of it is doable. So here's Fillmore saying, how far are you willing to go with this? And then he goes uh, one step further, and he says, you know, doctors believe that your body is self-repairing, right? It fixes itself. It mends itself. And every, what is it, seven years, ten years, or something like that, your body is completely different because all of the cells have regenerated and all that. You know that kind of stuff. Your body repairs itself all the time. And he says, think about that. He says, if you had a sewing machine that automatically repaired the entropy that happens, that when the little pieces of metal wore down, it regenerated them, that oiled itself and all of that kind of stuff, it would never wear out. It would never die. If you had a car that filled filled itself up with gas or electricity, changed its own oil and all of that, never have to go to Amco or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, you know where Fillmore's going with this. The basic idea is, and here's the truth, doctors have no idea why anyone would ever die from quote-unquote natural causes. There's really no such thing as natural causes. Can you go there with me? Can you be okay with that? Think about it. Your body's fixing itself all the time. That's what's natural. So again, how far are you willing to go with this? Now, one of the ideas that that comes up a lot, one of the things that he talks about here in the book is, he says, people feel like the way to get to that healing place is to go back to the laws of nature, to get back to the natural way. And, And there's some truth to that, but he says, be careful, because what are those laws? You say get back to nature, and that sounds great, and everybody gets their, uh, you know, their shopping bags and goes to Whole Foods or whatever. But there's got to be more to the story, right? Getting back to natural things shouldn't mean buying natural things. Mm, that's the cheap shot, isn't it? So many times people go, I'm getting back to nature. I want to live the way that they did 200 years ago when everyone lived to be 32 years old and no one had any teeth or what. You know what I mean? That's not it. I'm getting back to nature. I'm buying this toothpaste that, that tastes terrible and doesn't fight cavities. You know, th- these kinds of things. That's not that. Over and over again, the, the knee-jerk reaction is to buy a thing. Whether you're buying a modern thing from a guy in a lab coat or you're buying an ancient thing from somebody in a robe, you're still transactional. And transactional means that you don't agree with the idea that healing is in you. You think it's got to get from somewhere else. And your agreement is what makes the thing happen. If you, if you can't agree with the idea that it's here, if you've got to get it from here, it's not going to work for you. Not very well. Doesn't matter how much it costs. 
I want to talk with you about the idea of the myth of the faraway guru. You know what I mean? The idea that, oh, this is special because it came from a distant land. It's one of the things that Jenny and I talk about in our book, Branching In. Um, but just, just for a moment, think about how often someone has said to you, this is special. It comes from France or wherever, somewhere far away. It's the same thing we have at the grocery store here, but this is different because it was on a boat for a while. These teachings, oh, they're so much better than the teachings we have here because they came from a mountaintop somewhere far away. You know what I mean? Somehow, we have this idea that the further away and the weirder and more exotic it is, the truer it is. But think about that with me. Those two things don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. There are true things that are right here, and there are falsehoods that, are, that come from a distance. Those, let's decouple those, those two ideas. And in fact, think about it with me. You know what a geographical cure is, where you go, if I go to this other place, everything's going to be fixed for me. And you know it doesn't work, because you're still you. Well, if I think that I can fix my life by staying still, but buying things or buying into things just because they're from far away, that's even worse than a geographical cure, because at least in a traditional geographic cure, I'm moving my body. Maybe I'm burning some calories. If I just sit still and order all my stuff through Amazon or whatever and think it's going to make me spiritual or fix me, I'm not even moving. It's even more egotistical than a traditional geographical cure. And I'm telling you, that's why it doesn't work. So let's think about this. Let's link all of these things together. Inside moves outside like the seesaw. You get what you agree with, right? That's one thing. The idea that your body is self-repairing just like the whole rest of the universe. And how far are you willing to go with that? There's this pull to adhere to some kind of natural order, some kind of natural law, but we've agreed that it's not from somewhere else. It's something that you encounter inside. And so to connect all of this up, the moral of the story, the lesson for you, is to start to work on a centrifugal basis. You know, from inside out. That centrifugal force is the force that pulls outwards toward the edges. And this represents turning a lot of things around for a lot of people. Life is what can I get and bring in? I'm telling you, know something and radiate it outwards. That's the right way of doing things. And that's the way that actually works. One of the things that that means is what you're doing. Whatever it is, spiritually speaking, or what you're doing for a nine to five, the way you carry yourself, the way you deal with other people. We'll talk more about your interactions with other people next week, but just in broad terms, what you're doing. Two things to think about. If you're writing stuff down, this is a good thing to write down. Ask yourself of whatever it is you're about to do. Does it line up with what I know in my heart? And does it correspond with what's true out there in the world? Does it line up with what I know in my heart? And does it correspond with what's true out there in the world? You need both pieces of that. You know what it's like to live life in the outer where your heart's not involved. But you also know what it's like to be incredibly logically consistent with yourself. But what you're doing doesn't work. Right? This is what we're talking about. Charles Fillmore says, here's a quote from, uh, from the chapter. 
we see the necessity not only for thinking right thoughts, but also for having a right basis for our thinking. So let's say that again. We see the necessity not only for thinking right thoughts, but also for having a right basis for our thinking. So it's not enough to have a lot of good ideas that are internally consistent with one another. It's not enough to have a belief system that, that sounds cool. You also have to have that belief system actually apply to the life you're living if you want that life to work. That's what's, uh, what's on the table. Part of what I'm saying is know about your relationship with God and then act on that knowing out in the real world. There's that great quote, and, and Mr. Fillmore talks about it in the chapter, John 5, 17. But he answered them, my father is working until now, and I myself am working. God works, and so I work. This is Jesus talking. No more of this, God is over here doing stuff or not doing stuff, and I'm not, I have nothing to do with that. I'm going to let myself echo what I know to be true and live that in my life. That's what we're talking about here. On earth, as it is in heaven, which is a much nicer way of saying what I'm struggling to share with you. By the way, just as a side note, uh, lots of times when you're reading in Lessons of Truth, Christian Healing, Prosperity, any of these books, remember, like I said, they're all written over a hundred years ago. And so often there'll be some Bible passage. Charles Fulmore will just quote something. Dr. Katie will just quote something. And it hardly ever says where it comes from. Usually you'll just get the quote. Because a hundred years ago, I think a lot more people were a lot more comfortable with chapter and verse. So I could say a quote from the Bible, and the people listening would just know where it's from. And, you know, we tend to not have that level of chapter and verse knowledge anymore. So I want to challenge you, when you're reading this stuff in the books, take a minute and look it up. Get your pen out, and in the margin of the book, when Charles Fillmore says, my father is working until now and I myself am working, in the margins, find where that is and write, you know, John 5.17. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get a lot more comfortable with, oh, wait a minute, that's where that's from. That's what that means. You might even read a little bit more of the passage to get some context to figure out what's going on in the story. I'm not expecting you to read the Bible cover to cover like it's a novel or stereo instructions, because it's not. But if you start to just take a minute and write down the chapter and verse, you're going to get more comfortable. It's going to come alive for you. That's kind of a big deal. But so anyway, what we're saying is it's not enough for something to be internally consistent. It's got to be externally consistent as well. I remember a time not so long ago when uh, Jenny and I were talking about somebody that, that we have some association with. I'm trying to speak in as generic terms as I can, can you tell? So you know what I'm going to say isn't so good. Um, somebody that we have association with. And that person had behaved in a way that was unfair, let's say. They weren't being truthful. They were being mean. They weren't being kind to the people around them. And in fact, really not to themselves either. And the feeling that, that Jenny and I had was, why can't they just... <laughs> Why can't they just grow up? Why can't they just, I don't know, be nice, be truthful? Why can't they do that thing? And I bet you've had those feelings about people on your heart too, right? But you know, we realized together that the despair 
the, the discomfort, let's say, dissatisfaction that we felt had nothing to do with that person. It was about us. Because the truth is, that person was doing exactly what they said they were going to do. The sign that they carry is, I'm not going to be truthful with you. So why be surprised when they're not truthful? Now, we want people to grow and we want to leave room for that, but we don't need to get mad at them for doing something that they said they were going to do. In fact, when you think about it, that person was being completely in integrity, <laughs> just with a goofy set of rules. And that's the point. We realized, Jenny and I, that we were duping ourselves, that we were the problem. Hmm. Ever been there? But that's the point. It's not enough just to have a system that works internally. If you say, you know what, I'm just a grump, and that means it's okay for me to be mean to people. Well, wait a minute, that's not okay. Just because you're consistent with your own label that you put on yourself. You can have a belief system that, that says that certain people are sinners because they were born in the wrong place, or that certain people are bad because they're a different color, and you can behave consistently with that fear and that racism. That doesn't make it right. But your belief system, in other words, your system of agreement, there's that word again, your system of agreement is going to determine your experience. So here's the deal, boys and girls. If you want your life to work, consistency is key. No more room for little cubby holes of hypocrisy. No more room for stuff that's internally consistent but doesn't work out there in the world. That's the secret to all of this. Because the idea is, and Charles Fillmore says this so well in the book, the idea is everything you do is your version of what God's doing for you. Everything you do is your imitation of how God behaves. Everything. But that means if you have an idea of God that is limited, where God's mad, God's not around, God doesn't care, God doesn't have the power to fix it, God is a big guilt trip, let's say. If that's your biggest idea, well, that's as big as you're ever going to behave in your life. Now, Charles Fulmer doesn't come up with this. This is something that we see a lot of places, the imitation of Christ. We see it in the Platonic forms. Remember high school where you had to read Plato and the whole cave thing? The idea that, that everything is kind of an, a, a watered-down impression of something a little bit bigger and better than it. Right? That kind of an idea. In fact, when you think about it, this is the problem that we see in the Garden of Eden. Because remember, you know the story, and sometime we'll spend a lot of time on that story because it's great. But you know the basic idea of the story. Adam and Eve are working in harmony with God, there's the internal part, and with nature, with their lives. It, the whole system works, right? That's important. And that's why everything is easy. That's why there are no barriers between them and God. That's why life just kind of works, you know? Because they're internally and externally consistent. There's a lesson there. But then that temptation, that ego, the serpent represents ego in the story. The ego says, I want my version of this. I'm not okay with God being God. I want to be God. I want to do this. And so instead of being in contact with something bigger, I'm going to just live from my version of it, my ego-watered-down version of what I know to be true. And if I limit that, 
Well, you know what happens in the story. They can't live in that perfect place where stuff works. And in fact, if you read the, uh, the part where they're leaving the Garden of Eden, heavy stuff in there. But basically, if you really read it with this kind of a, of a paradigm, what, what God is saying is, okay, guys, if you want to do it your own way, if you want to do it without this contact, then yeah, it's going to be hard. That's just how it works. Because you're out of the flow. Isn't it interesting that the promised land stays promised? Isn't it interesting that, that, that there's always room to come back? Isn't it interesting that the whole rest of the Bible is a story of you and me and everybody else getting back home? It can happen for you. But it starts to happen when you stop trying to do it your way and you start trying to do it in touch with something bigger. Everything you do is a caricature of your ideas about God. So your job is to get as clear of a picture as you can. And you can't find that by buying something outside of yourself. You can only find that by doing some inner work. Now, last week, we talked about the idea of the big picture and how God works. This week, the basic idea is, how does that feel? So knowing what you know about God, what we talked about last week, how does that feel in your heart? How can you begin to agree with that and carry that out in your life? So here's your homework. Think about your version of God's plan. Because you can dupe yourself into disease. You can dupe yourself into bankruptcy. You can dupe yourself into the emergency room and into heartache. But that's not God's plan for you. Yeah, it might have been your version of God's plan for you, but you're too big for that now, aren't you? You grew. Let's grow some more. Think about your version of God's plan for you and expand it out. Dig deeper in and watch what happens. And with that in mind, let's be done for the day and take our opportunity to give. As always, you can support this church by going to donate.waterandstonechurch.com. And if you go to that page, there's ways to help spread the word. There's ways to support what we're doing in all kinds of ways. And most importantly right now, the big two things you can do are share these videos. It's really, really important to share them on social media to maybe even reach out to a friend. Let them know what's, what's working for you. The other thing that you can do is support the church financially because we're counting on you to help keep the fires burning around here. And there's more information about both of those things on donate.waterandstonechurch.com. Let's take those gifts of love and substance and hold them in our minds and hearts and bless them together. God is my source, my unending supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy. And so it is and so it does. Amen. And now let's remember that wherever you are, you're not alone because we pray as a family. Together, God, I'm ready for change. My heart is open. I'm not afraid anymore. My life is in peace and on purpose. Amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. Thank you.
Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.